Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Minute Maid Park in Houston. It's the Houston Astros 3, the Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. But you know what? Don't really enjoy it when the Guardians players themselves don't enjoy playing it, and that's what it's felt like all weekend down in Houston, right? It's felt like a team that's been going through the motions. It's felt like a team that's uninspired to be there. And it's kind of surprising because there's a lot of young guys who are finally getting playing time because of all these trades. And you think they would be a little bit more inspired, a little bit more ready to go getting this opportunity. But even they, even, I mean, and this is a young Lineup. He's got Will Brennan hitting cleanup without Josh Naylor there and without Josh Bell there. But I mean, you've got Brennan, Fry, Rocchio, Gonzalez, Bo Naylor, and Gabriel Arias as uh, four through nine in your lineup. And even they didn't feel like they were excited to be there yesterday. Uh, so apparently, Antonetti, I didn't hear the interview. So uh, Antonetti was in the TV booth. He was in the radio booth yesterday. I didn't get to hear either. I was listening to some of the chatter on Guardian's Twitter to kind of pick up some of the context. Um, apparently, and then Mandy Bell uh, put out her article after the game about what went down. Apparently, Antonetti flew down here, uh, was in Cleveland working with the front office to make those trades. Uh, he said he likes to be around the players when trades go down so that he can talk to them. So he flew down to Houston and basically had a conversation with the veterans. Let the veterans know what was up, that they still believed in them, that they still were trying to be competitive. You know, this whole thing he's talking about where, oh, we're trying to rebuild and be competitive at the same time. Like, we've been doing this right since we traded Francisco Lindor, right? We've been trying to rebuild while staying competitive. Uh, last season it works, this season it clearly does not work. And uh, so he let the veterans know that they, you know, the off front office still believes in them, that, that they're, they're still a team. That, uh, uh, yeah, so, man, uh, you'd think, uh, you know, on the TV broadcast, uh, at least they were saying that uh, Jose Ramirez was in a better mood uh, yesterday and he had been earlier in the week. Uh, they were saying that, you know, the, the conversation helped, that the talk from uh, Antonetti helped the veterans, but it still felt like this team was just lifeless, just going through the motions in this Houston series. So hopefully getting back home, hopefully a home crowd. Uh, who I don't think they're going to be selling out the ballpark for the rest of the season. Um, you know, maybe people still have some, maybe people have already bought their tickets, uh, and it's too late for August, but, uh, it's going to be a rough September in that ballpark. Uh, yeah, maybe getting back home, will will flip things around, maybe facing a White Sox team that's pretty much, I mean, they've traded away a lot of players, but they still have a lot of players in that lineup. Like their core is still kind of there, right? Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, uh, Mancada, like those guys are still there. So uh, at least you don't have to face Jake Berger. Uh, maybe it'll help. Maybe maybe the this weekend series uh, against the White Sox will kind of turn things around here. But uh, you have a ridiculously hard schedule coming up. 
And uh, yeah, uh, they they need their energy back. They need to find their smile. They need to remember to enjoy this game uh, and have some fun with it because it was hard watching this Houston series, right? It was it was really rough. Uh, usually, I enjoy a day baseball game keeping me company. Usually, I enjoy seeing all these young guys in the lineup. Right, Bray and Rocchio gets called up from AAA immediately starts. By the way, uh, we said that there would probably be a corresponding move uh, from AAA. Uh, you know that these shortstops would start bumping each other up, and I believe there was. Yes, Jose Tena gets the bump from AA to AAA with Rocchio moving up. So sounds like Rocchio is here to stay, and uh, he's he's going to get his opportunity now through the end of the season. So. A lot of shortstops, three, three, four shortstops now on the roster, all competing. And it looks like Andres Jimenez is staying at second. So three young shortstops all on the roster competing for at-bats, competing for opportunities. Um, you know, Rokio can play multiple positions. If uh, it, Clearly, if Ramirez is getting a DH day and uh, uh, Gabriel Arias can play multiple positions, although he's only played shortstops since... Uh, since Ahmed Rosario was traded, right, I believe, uh, since Ahmed Rosario was traded. So it looks like Arias is really getting that first look at shortstop. Everybody else is kind of playing around him. Um, so yeah, so you would hope that these opportunities for the young guys brings back a little bit of joy for this game. Because, uh, I still want to enjoy watching it. I still am going to flip it on at night as I'm cooking dinner. I'm still going to have that game on. Um, all right, let's get into the details of this one. Houston beating us uh, 3-2. to two. We can't even win an inning. We can't even win an inning against these guys. We come out and score two runs in the second. We have a really nice two-out rally in the second, and it's the bottom of the order getting things done. Uh, it is after Brennan f- strikes out and Fry grounds out, Brian Rocchio gets things kicked off with a single. Oscar Gonzalez goes opposite way, finds himself a single. They were pitching him outside all day. And he, you know what? He actually rode a couple of the opposite way and got some hits because of it. They didn't have high expected batting averages because they were ground balls. Uh, in fact, the error, the error in the ninth inning where he reaches uh, and he hits one to the second baseman, it hits off the heel of his glove. That had the highest batting average, highest expected batting average of anything he hit yesterday. The one that wasn't a hit had the highest expected batting average. So go figure. It's because it was more of a line drive. It had a one-degree launch angle instead of this has a negative 12 here, this single on the first. I, I believe that's kind of why it has a higher expected batting average. It was also like 105.2 mile per hour exit velocity. So that helps the expected batting average. Uh, so yeah, so Gonzalez and Rokio at back-to-back singles. Bo Naylor draws a walk to load the bases for Gabriel Arias, your number nine hitter. What does he got in him? He's got a double in the left field. It was frankly the best swing of the whole day from any Guardians hitter. Uh, he shoots one in the left field, 99.7 mile per hour exit velocity into the corner. Uh, you know, it goes up against the wall. Two runs are able to come in and score and you take a two nothing lead. Quan would walk after that to reload the bases and would bring up Andres Jimenez and he would go down swinging. And this was probably a lot of yours. It was my most frustrating moment of the day because it really felt like Andres Jimenez had an opportunity to blow this thing wide open. And Blanco is trying to pitch him outside, throws a slider that high that he misses with. 
uh, that he lays off, and then three swinging strikes in a row. He misses a four-seam fastball on the outside half of the plate at the belt. He chases a high fastball up at the top of the strike zone, which Andres Jimenez has been known to do, and then he goes down to a slider that breaks down and in towards his knees below the strike zone and strikes out with the bases loaded and just goes down hacking. And it does. It feels like Andres Jimenez is trying to kill the ball. It seems like he's trying so hard. And it's been a it's been a terrible season. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm some I've told you many times on the show that I believe in Andres Jimenez. I think the contract extension was the right move. He's still only 24 years old. There's a lot to love. Defensively, he's obviously gonna be a perennial gold glover. But it's no denying that the bat has been absolutely awful this season. Uh, You go over to his percentile rankings and everything is a very, very icy cold blue. Uh, Average exit velocity, he's in the first percentile for average exit velocity. He's not even hitting the ball hard. Hard hit percentage, third percentile. Expected weighted on base percentage, 16th. Expected batting average, 24th. Expected slugging, 14th. Barrel percentage, 17th. Walk rate, 14th. Chase rate, 5th. It's not good. It's not good. You got The only red numbers you have is K percentage, so he isn't, you know, they say the Guardians don't strike out a lot, but it still feels like we strike out a lot. He's in the 75th percentile there for K percentage. Sprint speed, he's still in the 94th percentile. He's got that going for him. And outs above average, his defense, 91st percentile. So, um... You know, those few things he still has working for him. But, I mean, this offense is very, very, very concerning. Looking at his spray chart, he still has hits to the opposite field. But it just doesn't feel like as many as in 2022. It feels like there's a lot more extra base hits, a lot more doubles, even a home run hit out to left field, where this year he's got a couple of two doubles off the wall in left field. Everything else is kind of pulled. Uh, There's three doubles down the left field line. Uh, and a couple of singles over there, but it, it does feel like more of his base hits are going to the pull side than last year when he was kind of spreading it around. Now, looking at the StatCast data, uh, yes, he's pulling the ball a little bit more. Uh, he went up the middle a little bit more last year, but it's it's slight. It's, it's like a 3% difference. So last year, he pulled the ball 37.8% of the time the lowest of his career, and he had the best offensive season. This year, he's pulling the ball at 40.8% of the time, right around his career average. So, no coincidence that the year he pulls the ball the least is his best offensive season, where he uses the middle of the field more, 40.4% of the time, by far the highest of his entire career. Um, And just, he's struggling against every pitch. You know, most pitches he has a negative run value against, whereas last year, some pitches he was destroying, especially was the changeup, where he had a plus 10 run value against changeups. This year, he's at minus 6. So, a big difference right there. The other thing is that he's struggling in the heart of the plate. Uh, Andres Jimenez last year, right, that great offensive season, uh, where he's an MVP candidate. In the heart of the plate, he had a plus seven run value. It's really good. Really good. Plus seven run value. Overall, he had a 21 uh, run value when you look. So it's they have a swing take 
thing on StatCast. Um, basically, uh, every pitch is assigned a run value based on its outcome. Ball, strike, home run. This is a leaderboard showing those values. So even uh, you know having a good eye and taking a pitch off the plate gets you a positive run value in this. So uh, he had a plus seven run value in the heart of the plate. In the shadows of the plate, he had a minus three run value. So, okay, eh, maybe not perfect there. But a 20 plus 21 overall, which means he had a really good eye. He swung at the right pitches, and he was able to do things with them. Uh, this year, in the heart of the plate, he has a minus six run value. So the pitches he should be doing something with. The heart of the plate, he has a, went from a plus seven to a minus six. On the shadow of the plate, so the edges... Minus three, he went to a minus 18. So he's gone overall from a plus 21 to a minus 11 overall. So that tells you right there, he's all messed up at the plate right now. He is he is really messed up. Uh, so yeah, so, so everything, if you look at the percentile rankings over the years, everything takes huge drops from last year. He went from an expected weighted on base percentage of 63% to 16 a huge drop. Expected batting average of 65 percentile to the 24th. So it's a huge, huge drop for Andres Jimenez. And this strikeout here with the bases loaded to bring it back around to this game, uh, it was tough. It, it was really tough to watch because I really wanted Andres Jimenez to come through in this situation and blow this game wide open. And instead, instead, we score two, which is fine. But we lose the inning because Chaz Mc, uh, Jose Abreu with a leadoff single and then Chaz McCormick with a two-run home run off of Tanner Bybee. Uh, and they uh, they tie the game right up. Now, Bybee battles. He fights, but my God, it was not his best start. Uh, his final line on the day, five innings pitched, seven hits, only two runs given up, though. Four walks to four strikeouts, the one home run, and 90 pitches. Uh, he is only hard hit six times, but I mean, he really has to work. The four walks is tough. Uh, looking at the illustrator page, it just doesn't seem like his command was there. You know, uh, after Gavin Williams starts, we were comparing Tanner Bybee's location with his fastball. And in this one, he is not pounding the strike zone. He's missing up to the arm side, to the left side of the plate from that catcher's view. Uh, so he's missing up with those. He can't bring it down into the strike zone. He is pulling a few across to that glove side and missing off the plate on that side too. Just not enough in the strike zone for a typical Tanner Bybee start. Even that slider, he's missing up into the arm side a lot with that slider or leaving it in the strike zone up to that arm side. Missing with a bunch, throwing a bunch down in the dirt uh, and away to the uh, glove side of the plate for him. So really just doesn't seem like he has the command on the day. And yeah, his CSW numbers, his strikeout number, or his whiff numbers aren't super impressive. It is 10 whiffs on 36 swings. It's a 28% whiff rate. Uh, the slider still got the most whiff swing and miss for him. Uh, 13 called strikes. It's only a 26% CSW, which is okay, but we uh, we expect more from the ace of our staff, Tanner Bybee. Um yeah, so they hit him. They they put the ball in play on him. They uh, they're patient with him. Uh, you know they're not chasing this stuff because they're not striking out. Um, in fact, let's see. They're yeah they're outside the zone swinging on all his pitches was only twenty seven percent, 
with a 53% contact rate. So not much chase there uh, on the day if they're only swinging outside the zone 27% of the time. So uh, he, he holds it together for five innings. Uh, Nick Sandlin comes in. The very first pitch is a slider that gets hit out for a home run. Chaz McCormick again. I'm guessing uh, the Astros podcasters are giving him MVP on the day. Um, immediately gives up a home run as he comes in. Uh, the bullpen is able to survive from there. Trevor Steffen and De Los Santos give you good innings to keep you in the game. And the Guardians offense just cannot get anything done. They go one for seven with runners in scoring position. Hit into three double plays. Fry, Jose Ramirez, and Rocchio all ground into double plays. Uh, Jose Ramirez is a little rough because he uh, hits one right at first base. Jose Abreu was there holding Andres Jimenez on. Gets it, taps the bag, tags Andres Jimenez. Like he was a dead duck. Eh, that's an unfortunate one. For Jose Ramirez, but Fry and uh, Rocchio also ground into double plays. Uh, in the eighth inning, I thought they had something going here. Brennan with a double, with a one-out double. Fry with a walk behind him. You got two runners on from Brian Rocchio, who's already having himself a good day. Uh, he's already got a hit and a run scored. He's on base twice via hit and walk. So he's already having a good day, but he grounds into a double play, an easy double play to end the inning, and that hurt. I mean, that that really hurt. Uh, you had a chance with the extra base hit in the uh, eighth inning. You had a chance to do something here, and uh, unfortunately, the young guy who all the eyes are on grounds into a double play to end that threat, and then Oscar Gonzalez gets lucky and reaches via fielding error in the ninth inning, so you have the tying run on in the ninth. They pinch run Miles Straw. They use Miles Straw correctly here. Uh, and Bo Naylor strikes out, uh, Arias would fly out, and uh, Quan would strike out looking to end the game, and at least according to uh, according to uh, the illustrator here, uh, it, it was strike three. Uh, it was a fastball at the knees, down the middle. Quan probably should have offered at this thing. Uh, usually, I say trust Stephen Quan's eye. In fact, he strikes out looking on a splitter away in the seventh inning on a 3-2 count. That probably is slightly off the plate. And this ump was having this ump wasn't great. This home played up. I didn't look at the numbers. They they do post on Twitter. Like you can find an account that posts the data on the umpire and how accurate they are. I did not check it out before recording this. Uh, so that splitter away in the seventh inning probably was slightly off the plate and Quan Quan's eye was correct here. But this one the umpire got right. This one was at the knees Quant probably should have offered at this one. So he strikes out looking to end the game. And, uh, yeah, we do nothing with that leadoff error. We don't make them pay. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an uninspired day for your Cleveland Guardians. And you know what? I, I think I'm wrapping it up there. Uh, you know, Bybee fought, but uh, it was not his best start. Clearly, the Astros and the Texas Rangers uh, are in another level right now, and that's that's why Antonetti, Antonetti sold and Chernoff sold. That's that's why. They're getting their butts kicked by Texas and Houston and Atlanta clearly, clearly motivated them to be sellers, no matter what the American League Central is looking like. So, all right, that's all my thoughts. MVP on the day is going to Oscar Gonzalez. I mean, he does go three for four on the day with a run scored. He hard hit the ball all four times he was up. 
all four times he had 95 plus mile per hour exit velocities. Let's see, 97.1, 99.2, 99.8, and 105.2. I am very encouraged because they everything, every one of these hits was a pitch outside. And I'm very encouraged that Oscar Gonzalez went the opposite way three times. If they're going to pound you away, I know you want to hit home runs. I know you want to hit big blasts out to left field. I understand that. You're a big, strong hitter. But if they're going to pound you away like this, spend some time riding the ball out to the opposite field. They will eventually start to make mistakes back inside, and you will get your home runs. But believe me, Oscar Gonzalez, just use the right field for a little bit, and it will pay huge, huge dividends for your career. Look at a guy like Jose Abreu who has no problem, no problem shooting the ball to the opposite field. Can we get Gonzalez to that? I hope Gonzalez was taking notes when Jose Abreu was up because, man, that's the kind of hitter he has to model himself after. Uh, And, you know, Abreu obviously is getting to the end of his career, but he did it great for a long time. Miguel Cabrera did it for a long time, being a big, powerful hitter who has no problem going to the opposite field. So those are the guys Gonzalez has to model himself after. So MVP on the day is going to SpongeBob himself, OG Oscar Gonzalez. All right, uh, that is all my thoughts on this one. Of course, we have an email from Marlon here. Again, a lot of the same thoughts. Uh, he said, apparently, Cleveland, I love Marlon does have good little facts in his emails, which is why I keep reading them for you. Uh, plus, he's our most loyal emailer. Uh, you got to get in the inbox with Marlon. You got to share your thoughts with me, morning people. Especially now, especially now that this season has turned into a very dark timeline. Uh, you got to share your thoughts with me. Uh, he said, Cleveland hasn't won a series against Houston since 2017. I told you since the 2018 playoffs, they've been kicking our butts. Apparently, uh, Marlon looked it up, and since 2017, we have not won a series against Houston. Um, he was frustrated by the same things I was frustrated about. Uh, let's see, what else does he have here? Um, we see how bad this offense is without Josh Naylor's bat in the lineup. Hopefully he's able to come back soon. Uh, the offense didn't do much after the fourth inning. They only had two hits after the fourth inning. Once again, the lack of adjustment is concerning. Yeah. You know what? Uh, don't discount the fact that Josh Naylor wasn't really here for this series, right? Uh, that he's dealing with some kind of injury that they're not going IL. They're just letting him rest. Uh, yeah, his bat back in the lineup, his attitude back in the lineup is a major difference, and we need him back. We need Josh Naylor now more than ever uh, because Will Brennan probably shouldn't be hitting cleanup. Uh, you know, we talk about the lack of power, and you you really lose a lot of power when Josh Naylor is on the bench with an injury and Josh Bell is traded to Miami, where I know he hit a home run in his first game with them. But, yeah, it's a lot of power missing in this lineup, and... The young guys haven't really flashed that much power yet. So uh, we're still searching for power in this lineup. That's still the thing that everybody wants them to add. That's why we want a corner outfielder. We want someone who can hit 25 home runs and play right field. And then Brennan can be this guy in center field. Uh, So, yeah. So, uh, Marlon, thank you, as always, for your email. And thank you for finding some fun, well, not fun facts, but at least digging up some data for us. Uh, makes the show more interesting. All right. uh, That is uh, 
that is all my thoughts on this one. Uh, thank God this series is over. Uh, let's. I'm not that we've played much better against the White Sox, but let's at least go back home and uh, see what we can do against them. The final again. It's the Astros three, the Guardians two. I, at least we weren't no hit, right? At least, at least there's that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Don't give up on me. Come on, morning people. Fill up that inbox. Let's have some conversations. I, I still want to hear from you and hear your thoughts and what what's going on in your baseball world. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Morning.